Hey y'all, welcome to the Working Dog Wednesday show on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast, brought to you by Joy Dog Food. Now, I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm the owner and operator of Cottonville Road Kennels, located in Norwood, North Carolina. I want to let you know for more information about Joy Dog Food or to find a Joy dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com. Now let's get on to the show. Fuel your dog with power. Fuel them with strength. Fuel them with Joy Super Meal 3020. Joy Super Meal is made for the hardest working dogs. With a colossal 510 kcals per cup, magnesium for muscle repair, and pumpkin for digestive health. This formula is made specifically for gaining muscle mass and added endurance. Our Super Meal 3020 is also great for breeders and offers mothers extra calcium and magnesium to assist with whelping. For dogs that work just as hard as you do, make sure to fuel them with the best. Fuel them with Joy Super Meal 3020. To learn more about Joy Super Meal 3020 or to find a dealer near you, visit joydogfood.com or give us a call at 800 245 4125. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mike Green. I'm your host today for the Fuel by Joy Working Dog Podcast. We want to welcome you wherever you're at in the United States or around the world listening to us. We appreciate you. We appreciate you tuning in and sticking with us each week. As Of course, you can always hear uh, about the Coonhound stuff by Josh Michaelis. You can hear about Retrievers with Callie Simpson, and you can tune in to me to hear about the Little Hounds. We talk beagle, beagle, beagle. That's all we talk about on here. And uh, we talk about hunting, training, field trialing, and feeding, and everything else. And so uh, we do appreciate you tuning in. If you ever have a question about anything or, or a comment or suggestion you would like to email me, you can reach me at mike at joydogfood.com. And always remember that you can find out more information about Joy Dog Food by going to joydogfood.com. And uh, you can find retailers on there. You can find nutritional values and you can find apparel and all types of things that you can uh, you can purchase on that on that website. So remember, if you ever have a question, you ever have a concern, just go ahead and email me at mike at joydogfood.com. And there again, I appreciate each one of you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Today, we've got a special guest. Uh, for the past few shows, I've had uh, a lot of people from up north and down south and all around, uh, all the way up into Canada on the show. But it got close to a hometown boy here. He don't live too far from me. And uh, today I've got Jonathan Keener on. Jonathan is the owner and operator of uh, Play Money Kennels. He established that in 2019, but he's been in Beagle since he was a, a youngster. Uh, he's out of Salisbury, North Carolina. He's an AKC field judge. Uh, he uh, raises dogs, trains dogs, does a lot of different things. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to have him on here. And uh, so we can get a little bit of a different perspective of beagles and field trialing today. And uh, we can talk about uh, different things that go along with that. So, uh, Jonathan, I want to welcome you to the show and uh, just want to see how you're doing. I'm doing good. Like I said, we're glad to be here. Like I say, anytime we can sit down and. Uh talk about beagles i'm tickled to you know i'm 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 tickled to sit here and talk about it so i'm glad you can have me and uh we can have this good conversation tonight so uh i was looking forward to to this when we had when we talked uh several days several days ago about being on this podcast tonight so absolutely. glad to be here absolutely well we're glad to have you here and uh tell me a little bit about play money kennels uh, i know it's established in 2019 and uh, so tell us a little bit about the history leading up to that that you got in Beagles. Yeah, well, like I say, you know, I grew up into Beagles. 
it's kind of funny. I was talking to my mother actually two weeks ago, and uh, she said, you know, I figured out why you love beagles so much. I said, what is it, Mama? She said, do you realize that I was carrying you up till I was about six, eight months pregnant running rabbit dogs with you, Daddy? I said, no. She <laughs> said, yeah, I was. I used to be the one to go in and catch the dogs. I said, well, maybe that's the reason why I love to hear a hound race. I was running around with you listening to dogs. But, yeah, I got I got into, you know, grew up rabbit hunting. We always had great dogs and, and things like that. Anything that could keep the line going and bring the rabbit back to the gun, you know, it, it was good for us, especially, you know, a young kid growing up into it. Now, uh, now how old are you, John? I'm 44. Well, me and you the same age, so you remember the you remember rabbit hunting in the eighties and the early nineties when Oh yeah, Lord, yeah. Like say it uh you know, I'd get them Saturday morning early calls from my uncle, Hey, you wanna go stonk the <laughs> railroad tracks or yeah. turn a dog or two loose on the railroad tracks and you know, I was I was usually out there waiting on him. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I remember it, I remember the eighties was a little bit rough there towards the end. It was like you couldn't find a rabbit and uh That's right. Uh, that's you, right you did have to go stomp out patches around railroads or bridges and everything else that's, that's, ex that's exactly right especially that's if exactly you just don't hear right. a race or, or, or get a shot at one so that's right yeah but we uh like that I, I got you know up into you know late 90s stuff just you know rabbit hunting great dogs and everything and then got introduced to the whole akc world back probably around 2002 or 2003 uh, I met a gentleman, which fa my family knew him of Mr. Coleman Sykes. He was a, kind of a local legend around here, local. I always had good rabbit dogs, and he was into the, always had AKC dogs back in the 50s. He's, I mean, you know, just way back in the days. Everybody knew him from having AKC hounds. And, uh, and he was probably in his mid-80s, probably around 2003, four somewhere in there. And, uh, I would pick him up. He couldn't drive anymore, but I'd pick him up and we'd go run dogs. And, you know, I laughed at, at a lot of times. I said, that old rascal could usually keep up with dogs better than I could in his mid eighties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we had, we had some good times. Like I say, we had probably, I, you know, I run with him for four, three, four or five years, just hauling him around and us running some dogs, you yeah. know, inter introduced me to that line of dogs. And, uh, like I say, he got me into Tar Heel Beagle Club back in probably 2000 and I say 2007, 2008. Got me into an actual AKC club mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I become a member there and uh, continue running AKC dogs. And and then like I said, we ran you know AKC hounds and tried a little bit up till uh, – I'd say probably 20, 2012, and I got out for about seven years or so. And then when I got back into, you know, hot and heavy in 2019, uh, yeah, that's when I formed uh, my my kennel, Play Money Kennel. Okay. And uh, how that name come about, my kennel was, is there was a guy in Tar Heel, his name was Gene Money. And he had, that was his kennel name, was, was Play Money Kennel. And I said, man, that's, he's got the coolest name of the whole club, you know, <laughs> yeah. play money. I mean, it's just, you know, play money kennel. And, uh, he was a super nice guy and he, he passed away of cancer. Um, uh, like say, and he, he was just a super nice guy. You know, I was a young guy. I was in my, you know, early twenties, mid twenties or so. And he was always good to me and everything. And when he was gone and I got back into it, so I, I called his wife up 
I said, Ms. Money, I said, I want to ask you a question. She said, yeah, what is it, Jonathan? I said, do you think it would be fine if I could pick up Gene Money's kennel name? Because I thought he had the coolest kennel name in the whole world. She said, he'd be honored if you pick up Play Money Kennel and roll with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where my, my kennel name came about, you know, Play Money Kennel, just from, from Gene Money at the Tar Heel Beagle Club there. Well, that's so pretty it's cool. More or less, it's more or less keeping his, you know, keeping his memory alive and the cool person he was and what he, you know, he was good to me. And, but, you know, he had, he had, goes back to, he had the, he had the coolest kennel name of, of Tar Heel Beagle Club. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it, and it's odd. Well, I say odd. It's rare for, for somebody to do that, but I see why you done that. That, that makes good sense. Uh, you know, kind of just keeping that going for him. You respected him and, and you asked permission to do it, you know. And yeah, so that, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to be able to do something like that, you know, to keep that keep that name going. Well, because I suspect you've probably had a few questions about how that's come about, uh, play money. Um, oh, yeah, because that, that, that play money showed up in some older generations on pedigrees. And I said, well, did you the breather of that dog or this or that? And. He said, "No, that's Gene Money." Right. I said, "Play Money." I said, "Well, let me tell you my story." So I, you know, I kind of tell him that story again. So, right. But yeah, that that question's definitely come up a few times before. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, with uh, uh, so many people out there in the day with uh, kennel names, you know, I've heard. Oh man, I've heard some names. They have some interesting kennel names that are out. Oh there. yeah, yeah. I, especially when you go to the trials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't, uh, you know, ours is Cottonville Road Kennel, and uh, I just that's the road I live on, you know. And so, yeah. uh, uh, not long after I established it here, and uh, got the got the name registered, the kennel name, done everything that I needed to do. I found out that uh, a lady that lives down the road on Cottonville Road that she has a kennel as well that she raises pugs, and so people will call her wanting a, wanting a beagle because they'll they'll see she's got dogs for sale or whatever. And then I've had people call me wanting to know if I sell pugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe I, if they'll run a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I say I say you got you you a little few few more miles down the road you you'll get where yeah. you need to be. So that's right. But that, that's that, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. There, um, we want to uh, we want we want to make sure that we grasp the history of your club. I mean, excuse me, of your kennel, and you've done that. And uh, um, so, when you introduced that name, that you know, into on your dog, I guess you add that uh, on all of your dogs on your on yeah your yeah. As now. I do my reg- registry now, you know, it's play money, and then the dog, the hound's name. Yeah. And uh, so when we see that on a pedigree, we'll know now, you know, anytime. So how many years ago was that, that, that you asked for that kennel name? That was probably nine, twenty-one, two, three, about five, six years ago. Okay. Yeah. So anything prior to that was Mr. Money. That, Mr. Money, Mr. Gene Money. Okay. Well, that makes good sense. And so, um, my, uh, my thinking on that right there is that's a that's a really respectful thing to do was to call her and ask her about that and that that, that works out really good really good so so there at Play Money Kennels um, there in Salisbury you uh you have uh you how many head of dogs have you got right now I've got fourteen 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 okay. all right well that ain't that ain't ain't too bad um that's I ain't got that many right now myself. But uh, I've had way more than that, and you probably have too. 
but uh yeah one time yeah lord yeah yeah well so tell me about tell me about your uh your puppy raising like I say we we typically raise here um in the past it's always been about one to three liters a year but you know as i was telling you earlier we're going to be raising probably about five to five to eight this coming year in 24 so uh I've brought in selective females, some high-quality females to the kennel. Uh, you know, champion, I've bought some champions. I've finished some champion females uh, to basically introduce. Before, I was always, you know, male dog, male dog, male dog. Now that we've, you know, we've we finished the, the caliber of stud dog that we want to represent our kennel now, you know, it was time to switch to the, the female side and introduce high quality females to the kennel that way so you know i i'm looking now you know yearly for anywhere from three to five liters is what my goal is yeah yeah and that's so. and, you know and that's a lot for some people and and then you know it's not a lot for another but i you know that's a that's a comfortable um that's a comfortable amount that you you know that's feasible to raise and make sure that they're healthy and then too i know you're choosing out of that you know what it is that you're going to want to hunt and see what produces in the future yeah absolutely i mean you know my goal is you know we'll we'll put pups in people's hands but you know i i get the thrill of raising that pup and getting it started and uh and just seeing how that particular cross turned out yeah and our um, in our, our earlier conversation you was talking about keeping all of them and then raising them up and sifting through them you do is that your normal practice what you do most of the time that that's typical my normal practice but you know if i get overwhelmed um uh, you know with too many puppies i'll put them in you know certain people's hands you know maybe a trialer or i preferably in the you know with being in the akc world and i would love to you know put them in the hands of a field trialer that somebody's going to go out and actually trial the dog if, if, if they turn out to where, you know, they can be predominant in the trials. So, right. right. You now that way, you know, to keep, you know, not only, but, you know, you get the recognition and, and the, you know, the, the producing aspect of that cross starts to show. So. Right. Right. And keeping that, keeping that, uh, in keeping it active in field trialing too, keeps your name out there. And it, exactly, exactly. Exactly. That, that way, you know, you can kind of keep you keep history of the of the pups, where they're going, how they're doing, uh, you know, what traits is you know your, your your particular stud dog is throwing, or with this certain female, or or whatnot. I mean, it's kind of it gives you a, a history or or a report card, basically for say back on the on those those crosses you make. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's smart too, and that way you until you're getting a good report back whether you need to make that cross again or whether you need to stay away from that. And it, exactly, exactly, sw- that's correct. Swing a different way, you know. That exactly that way you can you can kind of keep up with it now. Like you know, and, and we do the same thing here. I keep up with a lot of a lot of mine where they go, um, and a lot of people run them in AKC, you know, especially up north and stuff. But you know, I I talked to a lady one time. And she asked me, she said, do you ever sell any of your pups for pets? And I was like, yeah, on occasion we do. And um, she's like, I'll never do that. And I said, well, I understand that, you know. And she said, I want them to be field trialed. And I said, well, what if they ain't worth the crap in field trialing? 
Yeah. They'll make a real good pet. Make a real good pet. <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. So, so, you know, not not all of them's going to be a world beater, but... Uh, oh, that's that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people that, you know, when they're making crosses, I mean, of course, everybody makes the cross. They're, they're hoping they get every one of them's field champions, but, you know, there's going to be one or two or three or, or whatever that's not going to turn out as expected, you know. Right. It's... You know, it's kind of the way it is. Well, you know, uh, me, me and my buddy Ken had this conversation just a couple of days ago. We was talking, and we were talking about, you know, you, you get a litter of pups, and you raise that litter up. You know, once you send one of those pups outside of your training, you know, in your control, you never really get a hundred percent solid feedback on that because if you if you if I buy a pup from you, and it comes here at Cottonville Road. Well, that pup's going to be trained in like manner, but it's still going to be different things that, that I'm going to do that you wouldn't do or things that I would do, you know, vice versa. And so, uh, you know, so you can't ever really get a, a good solid data a collection process, I guess you yeah, would say. Yeah, that's right. Um, on how those pups turned out. You know, I might call you and be like, well, you know, she does pretty good. Uh, you know, she likes a little here, likes a little there. But, um but had she been in somebody else's hands, somebody better trainer than I am, somebody that's more that's methodical right. about That's right. Everybody has different procedures on how they're training their hounds. Right. Absolutely. So we have to be careful when we when we look at somebody and say, well, because, you know, I know you've probably heard this before. I know I've, I've said it many times. People will call me up and say, man, I got that, that dog I got from He's doing really good, this, that, and another. and But he's doing X, Y, and Z and say, what, what advice have you got? I said, you know, or, or how's yours doing? I say, well, mine's doing fine. Mine's not doing X, Y, and Z. You yeah. Know? And it's because they're in a different environment, different location, different That's diet, right. different Getting around different. That's right. That's right. It's Absolutely. And, and you know, in, in AKC, uh, especially when we're talking about small pack option and the small pack, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about different, different styles of training. You know, like for me, most of my dogs are what we call hare hounds. And versus the southern, what I call the southern bred dogs, you know, your Otis Blood or your Buckshot Jones and things like that. Um, right. Uh, Slab Town Preacher Man, things like that. And I, I track man, stuff like that. We call that southern bred dogs. Um, uh, well, my dogs, you go down there and look at mine, they look, some of them's got hair on their backs four inches long, you know. And uh, and uh, my boy asked me one time if that's why they called them hair hounds. I said, no. <laughs> No, but but it fits. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. Well, what about uh, what about training your dog? So when you when you do raise these pups up, Jonathan, you got your you got your four or five pups there that you're working with. What is some things that you do with those pups from say eight or nine weeks old up till they get ready to go to starting pen, or before you actually start messing with them with a rabbit? What's some things that you do there to make sure that they're ready to learn? Well, typically what I do, you know, all my pups are usually raised here at the house. And with having young kids and things like that with puppies and stuff, they, they get handled daily uh, by my kids and so forth. That's that's the main thing is just handling of the puppies. So socializing. Them, socializing, showing them love, playing with them, letting them be a puppy. And then once they get a certain age, you can tell when they're out in the yard playing that they're starting to use the old nose, sniffing around everywhere. You know, sometimes I'll throw a little treat here and there, getting that nose active. 
just getting them to learn that nose a little bit. And then typically um, that goes on and up to probably they're about four, probably four to five months, but around the five to six months when I'd like to get them in a starting pen. Right. And I'll introduce them usually to, you know, like typically like everybody else does. They'll have a tame rabbit, an old Tennessee redback or something like that, just to introduce them, letting them put the sight with the nose. And then after that, convert them over to, you know, the wild rabbit, the cottontail. Yeah. And yeah. the running pen to get them started. A lot of people, a lot of people have a misconception as to how a, a hare hound started versus how a southern bred dog is started. So you take my Branco dogs, you know, I get them, you know, I've got one down there. I got him straight from Branco whenever he was a nine week old pup and um, he's running great. I had actually, I don't know if you know Wayne Sims, you know, yeah, Wayne yeah, down I know the club. Wayne. yeah. Yep. so Wayne, I actually sent him down to Wayne to get him started. And, uh, Wayne, you know, he runs these Southern bred dogs and he's like, well, I don't know. I, don't, I said, just take, <laughs> just take him down there. And, yeah. and, uh, see my, my father-in-law is Ted Klontz. I don't know if you ever know Ted or not. He tried. I know dogs. Ted. Yeah. I bought, I bought kennels from Ted. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. I've got, I bought actually four upright kennels from him. Oh, here recently. It's probably been maybe four years ago. Oh yeah. When he married, that's when, yeah. When he moved up here to Norwood. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he built, he used to build them down there in his shop, and uh, yeah, actually he was in I think he was in Marshville, I believe. Ansonville, no, I mean uh, Wade, Wadesboro. He lived Wadesboro. in Wadesboro. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, yep. uh, yeah. So you know, he started dogs. He started my dogs for years. Yeah. And yeah. I, I called him up one day. And this is years and years ago. I called him up and I said, uh, Mister Ted, I said uh, I got a dog up here. I want to get started. And, he asked me how it was how it was bred, and I said, uh, "Well, it came from Canada." I said, "It's a Branco dog." Oh, I don't mess with them dogs. They can't run a rabbit. <laughs> they can't hold a track. He, he's like, "No, oh, I don't mess with them dogs." And I went down there to see him, and I said, "Mr. Ted," I said, "Look, if you'll take my dog, I promise you, she's gonna start the same way that yours do. Six months, five, That's six right. months old. Get them going. Get them knowing what a rabbit is now." We know that when they get on out there and they figure out what they're doing, now they're going to let the clutch out, and then you got to tighten up the steering knuckle. And that's, that's right. So, that's right. And uh, so finally he agreed to do it, and then he trained my dogs for years and years and years. And matter of fact, uh, some of my buddies up, up in Virginia stuff send theirs down here for him to train. And, okay. And uh, done a really, really good job. And then he ultimately ended up marrying my mom-in-law, and now he's in my family. So, uh so okay. Be careful who you deal with in the dog let, let world. Let me ask you this: does, does he still charge you to start dogs now? He don't start them no more. He's retired. Oh, oh mercy! <laughs> yeah, he sold his he sold his place down there, and he moved up here. But I, but I will say, the last one he charged, the last one he trained for me, he didn't charge me. That's so, good. Yeah, and uh, they was dating then. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so I got Mister Saint, Mister Wayne. He's uh, he starts my dogs for me now. Yeah, he. And, uh, yep, he, he actually started several, several for me. Yep, he does a really good job. I, I tell you what, I can't, I ain't got no complaints with that because I, no. I got uh, that puppy back, and uh, when I got him back, I took him over to the Beagle Club, and I took him out there that morning, and I took one of my females with me, and man, he hit the ground, did exactly what Mister Wayne said he was going to do, and uh, I was really, I was really happy with him. So, um, I guess we kind of giving Mister Wayne some business, ain't we? Yeah, that's right. Wayne Sims is getting some business over this. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, y'all call Wayne. I don't even know where Wayne lives. I don't know the name of the place he lives. <laughs> Look him up. He's on Facebook. Look him up. But uh, uh, but yeah. So he he uh, he does that. But that's that's something you know. Was just talking about how you what you're looking for in your pups. And uh, I know we ran a little bit of a rabbit there. But uh, you got uh, you got your pup get ready to go to the starting pen. Is it do in your opinion is it better for you if a dog starts on its own there at the house around the yard or something like that or would you rather them go to the pen and get some of that more one on one longer one on one time with a rabbit? I I would rather I would rather them go to that pen and uh, basically you know around the house here around you know not, you know around me and you know they're used to me and it basically helps them grow up. Yep. You know, they lose that whole puppy aspect of it you know you take them there and you know they're they, they're full of puppy and life and you know just full of life of being a puppy and playing it takes them about two or three days before they get you know get that puppy out of them before they you know it, it more or less materials them up but in my opinion of taking them somewhere like that and just letting them get just get fed rabbit tracks as much as they want so right right i, I think that makes a better dog i mean my opinion of a better started dog yeah, when you get it put in place to where, you know, like Sims or a, a training pen, a facility to where they're more one on one time, just just them and a rabbit learning that track. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh that's something that I think that we miss sometimes in translation of which one makes a better rabbit dog, and you know, ultimately it's going to come down to the dog and the intelligence of the dog. Um, absolutely but you know, absolutely. when it, it's kind of like i heard a guy say one time he said you know you can mess around in your house you can piddle around with cars around your house under a shade tree all you want to but until you actually go to school you're not really going to be that much of a mechanic and the same thing that's with, right. with a rabbit dog you know it, it is you know it is that's exactly right being able to get that one-on-one time being able to get that understanding also like you said great point you made somebody different you know this this working that dog and that matures that dog up and they getting uh, they're learning every time they hit you know if a dog ain't learning when they hit the ground then what good are they that's right you wait you waste your time that's right that's right we got to be learning all the time and you know what us as houndsmen we need to be always learning you know that's right none none of us know it all i'm gonna tell you what though i keep doing these podcasts i'm gonna know it all because i have to tell you what i have <laughs> learned a lot of stuff <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guarantee you talking to many different people. Yeah, I'm fourth generation Bigler. I thought I pretty much had it figured out. And I got talking to people all over the country. <laughs> so, That's right. That's exactly but, uh, right. But it it is good to be able to have that, and and we do appreciate Joy Dog Food for for having making this podcast available for this exactly for this exact reason. And so so you got that dog. He goes to the training pen. He comes back. You drop him on the ground. How does that look for you? Do you drop him down by himself, or do you drop him down with a dog or two, bracing them or running a trio? How do you well, usually do that? T- typically, what I do is say if I take one, two, three puppies to the pen, and once I get them back and they started. You know, I'll run them together, oh, yeah. and uh, and typically what I'm looking for, I'm looking for that dominant puppy right out of the gate, right out of right out of the running pen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just going to grab that line, and it's got. He may not be able to put it all together at one time, but can lock on. You see them points of what I call the flashiness to it. Um, well, man, that pup can really carry a line. You know, he's snappy on the check and. That's the dog I'm looking for yeah. to start with. Just from immediately getting them out of the pen, putting them on the ground, can you know? Can they carry long, long? They have a lot of flow on the line. Can they carry long lengths of the line? 
and and also the the quickness of it too um i'm looking for that dog out of the pen that's that's wanting to get after it um you know as at an early start yeah you know i I tell people a lot of times especially in the akc trial world um it's easier to gear them down than it is pick them up. That's right. That's exactly right. So I'm looking for that dog, that puppy out of that one, two, or three that's going to be that that dominant pup. That's got my attention. Yeah. You know, if I can see that that pup can grab on and run the line with a lot of flow, got a good nose, he, you know, we can really move some bunny with him. Um, that's the one I'm going to be putting my time into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's typically what what we're looking for. Um, to coincide that we think's our best candidate for our kennel, you know, not only hunt with, but also take to the field trials. Yeah. Yeah. Now <clears throat> you told me earlier that you'd been hunting today. Did the, most of the guys that you, that you hunt with, did they bring dogs? They got about the same style of dog as you got or. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, like I say, I hunt with a good buddy of mine, Jeff speaks. Um, like I say, they, we trial together. We run dogs together. We're all pretty much the same speed of hound. Yeah the dogs he was trialing today had a couple you know a win or two in akc world places so we're all running pretty much the same speed of hound yeah yeah that's good uh, that's good to have you know, we we you know we pretty much out of a pack of seven if you had a big enough blanket or tarp you can cover us up so oh, we yeah. were we put pretty pretty intense steady pressure on that on you know on that bunny so yeah right Right. Well, that's that's good, and that's helpful too. And that and that introduces your dogs to different levels as well. When they're not just in field trial, but they're they're out here, you know, you're gunning over them. They're running with different size packs whenever you're gunning with them, and that also lets you know how your dog's gonna gonna uh, uh, respond to pressure, you know, from other oh, dogs. Oh yeah, I, absolutely, absolutely. Like say, you know, and like I've told a lot of people, you in order to be a great field trial dog, you got to be great rabbit hunting dog too. You got to be able to, you know, bring that dog back to, you know, bring it back to the gun. Absolutely. That'll so, be I mean, that, that, you know, as in bettering the whole aspect of bettering the breed, right. uh, you know, they got to bring the rabbit back to the gun. Yeah, absolutely. Before we introduce them into the field trials. Uh-huh. That's so, right. Yeah, you know, I, that's that's my take on it. So be a sad day if you're sitting there with a field champion that can't circle that rabbit back around to the gun. Oh yeah, it's it's a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ought to be a prerequisite to be even be able to that, get that's in. That's exactly right. That's uh, exactly right. And, and most houndsmen, I think, probably probably view that in the same manner. You know, because oh yeah, because, absolutely. Because at heart, we're you know we're we're rabbit hunters. You know. Um, and we want to take care of our dogs to the point <clears throat> to the uh, to maximize their ability. And whenever you can maximize their ability, then you maximize their effectiveness. You know, and that's so right. In, in a pack, whether you're in a pack of four, whether you're in a pack of fourteen, you can maximize their abilities and their effectiveness that way. So, um, I like I like that's, that. That's exactly right. That's, well, t- and two taking dogs, especially young dogs, in my opinion of you know once they learn to be able to track and you know once i solo a lot of dogs when especially when they're young Mm -hmm. teach them independency to where they've got the confidence to where they can run the line without any dependent on any other dog yeah and then start to pack them and you know the, the huge thing especially in the spo world small pack option you know gun hunting them really teaches in my opinion a young dog, what I call move through traffic, you know, be able to move through that five or six line of dogs to work your way to that front. Yeah. You know, it's, 
it's a lot to it, you know, especially that, I think that helps a dog, you know, just rabbit hunting and learn to move through the pack and, you know, and, and, and line up or, you know, work your way up through to get up to that top three positions right. in that line. So, well, um, in, in my world, they just kick on the daggone turn signal, run out there on the side, blast to the front. <laughs> <laughs> Move out. You're too yeah, slow. Let's yeah, go. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. You got to get in the slow lane. We're rolling with it. But uh, That's right. But no, no. We I look for the same thing. I like for them to be able to move up, you know, hold it when they're running steady. You know, even in my speed of dog, my style of dog, I want them to be able to hold it, run it steady, and then move up there. And when you get there, um, and uh, we'll talk about this in a, a little bit more in depth in a minute, but you mentioned it earlier, that front dog's got our, everything to lose, you know. That's uh, right. Yeah, the, the whole, that whole race is, is dependent upon him. I mean, he's got that whole race on his shoulders for not so much everything, but, you know, it's got a lot of pressure on that lead dog taking the lead, the initiative to, uh, to handle that line and run it. I mean, yeah, if he steps over and, you know, he's going to drop it some, but you know, he's that, that front lead hounds taking the whole risk yeah. of that race at that particular time. And it don't matter what I'm telling you folks. And you out there, ladies and gentlemen, when you're whatever speed you run, whatever style you run, it still equals the same when you're on the front end. You, when you're the front dog, it still equals the same. Um, that dog still got to be able to do it when he gets up there. I just re- I just assume if that dog can't handle that front end, I don't even want to see him on the front end. I'd rather him run second uh, than to be trying to blast out here in the front, you know, and, and making a wreck of things. Because then that's a that's, right. that's a quick way to the truck right there. That's right. Yeah, blow my race up. You're gone. Yeah, absolutely. I can't stand it. Just tires. It just oh, it just tires me up. And uh, that's boy, right. And boys, I run with sometimes they tell you, oh, I can't stand it. Dogs wreck, wrecking the track now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, with that, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I also want to tell you, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but, uh, but Jonathan is also, he is a, he is a judge in the AKC and, uh, how, how many years you've been judging now? I've been judging since 2000, <clears throat> God, I God, early, mid 2000. I think I looked it up. I think I'm on my, this, I think I've judged 55 trials, I believe. Okay. Well, that's, that's a lot of trials. That's a lot. So I think I've judged 55. If I'm not, yeah, I think I'm 55. I, I'll be a few more after this spring and so forth. So hopefully by the end of 24, I'll be in my, probably my 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it sounds like it. I yeah. run behind a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't ride around behind them so much now. You ride that horse. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's what I've told a lot of people. I said, I'll judge all the world, any trial you want to, as long as I can bring what we call red wine down there, my, my Tennessee walking horse. Uh, and I tell you that may, that makes a whole difference as a judge being able to get on that horse and actual, you know, get behind them dogs like that. Yeah. Uh, like I, said, I purchased him from in the Beagle world hall of famer, Mr. Gary Brown out in Kentucky. And, uh, as, as mentioned, the guy in the club down there, he said, how's that horse going handle around dogs? And I told him, I said, sir, this horse has probably seen more hounds than me and you and a couple of these guys put together. So it, uh, like I say, especially here in the Carolinas, we don't get any, I mean, pretty much no, our dogs never get to see a horse. Yeah. So they never get acclimated to, you know, looking at a horse at a field trial and, uh, just getting our dogs exposed to it. That's one reason I bought the horse anyway. He's 
you know, my horse is stable and his lot is right beside my kennel. Yeah. So my dogs get to see it, get to see old red wine on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's just getting that whole exposure because when you travel to different parts of the country, judges are on horseback. Mm-hmm. And then if you got, I mean, it happened to me before and it's happened to a lot of people here in the Carolinas, Virginia, South Carolina, and so forth. Um, we go out to Kentucky, places like that at some of these championship trials and Hey, judges are on a horse. Dogs never seen a horse. They freak out. You may you may have the best dog and to win the trial that day, but then it freaks out over the horse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it um, definitely having the having the old horse in the arsenal in the toolbox makes it makes it pretty good for being a judge. I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> and I see them, you know, up north and stuff. But like you said, uh, they all ride horses. Um, I don't I don't think I seen one that didn't. Now, maybe maybe a time or two, but at least somebody had a horse out there, you know, at least one. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, and, and it makes a a world of difference. And and I think it, you was telling me the other night. When we... All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast, Working Dog Wednesday. Thanks to Mike Green and guest for another wonderful episode. But hey, it's just part one. Uh, you guys will be able to catch part two next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know some a lot of great content here and, and even more to come. So uh, make sure and tune in uh, wherever you are listening to your podcast at. Make sure and leave a review, especially on Apple. It helps with the uh, algorithm and the the fancy doodads and all that stuff to where we can get uh, more hound voices and, and beagle and coonhound and squirrel dog and working dog and all that good stuff. We can get that out there to the masses. So remember to uh, leave a review. If you're listening to this on YouTube or watching any of our stuff on Canestream Media on YouTube, make sure and leave that uh, like and subscribe there and all that good stuff. I know it seems trivial, but it does make a difference. So anyway, thanks to Mike. And uh, remember, part two next week. See you guys there.